0: You're listening to the Creating a Brand Podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics that help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Would you consider yourself to be the most captivating person in the room at a networking event that you attend? Most of us would answer this question with a no way or I'm so weird in those social situations, right? (laughs) Today's guest is recovering awkward person. Her words, not mine. Vanessa Van Edwards. She is the CEO of thescienceofpeople.com, and she's also the author of the best-selling book, Captivate. And she's going to teach us all about the science behind winning with people and becoming captivating. I have to say that as an extrovert that loves being around people, I was blown away with what I learned from Vanessa's research and science behind people. With that said, here is my conversation about becoming the most captivating person in the room with Vanessa Van Edwards. Vanessa, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. So excited to have you with us today.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: Yes. Now, I I love your book. We've talked Uh, about this offline. Your book is incredible. Thank Um, you. (laughs) And now, obviously, if you wrote a book on the science of people winning with people, if this is something that you've actually written, clearly, you are a major extrovert. You were extremely popular throughout school. People have always loved you in the workplace. Can you talk about that for a minute?
1: Sure. So um I am actually a recovering awkward person. Uh oh. Yeah. And um the funny thing is I was I, I always felt like I went into meetings or classrooms or parties and everyone else had gotten this written rule book of conversation and socializing and being cool that I just missed. Like I just felt like I was not given this book. And um, when I set out to find resources and read everything from Dale Carnegie to uh, Caldini, I mean, everything I got my hands on, I realized that most of the social skills books out there were written by extroverts. And if you're not an extrovert, if you're an introvert or an ambivert and an ambivert is actually the majority of the population, they're in between introvert and extrovert. There are very few actual by the textbook extroverts. If you're an ambivert and you read a book by an extrovert, they say very well-meaning things like just be yourself or be interested to be interesting or just smile more. And as an introvert or an ambivert or recovering awkward person, you don't really know what those actually mean in practice. You read them and you're like, yes, I love the idea of this. And then you get into the in the wild, in the real world, and you're like, what do I do? What do I do with my hands? How do I make conversation? <laughs> there was an awkward silence. Do they like me? Do they hate me? Am I dumb? Am I stupid? Did I say something dumb? I mean, none of it actually holds true. And so... When I started doing this work, I, I hid the fact that I was an awkward person. <laughs> From a branding perspective, I was like, "No, I have to be an extra, you know, an expert," and so I pretended to be this um, expert extrovert. And I realized that I actually wasn't being truthful, and it wasn't really working. And so I finally decided to kind of come out of the closet with my awkwardness, and I I switched everything, my entire. Um, uh, marketing all my brand personas. And basically I said, you know what, even if this is a smaller niche, right? Like back in the day, everything was about niche, find a niche, get a niche, uh, hone down your niche, right? Everything was niching. I thought, well, if finding a niche is what I need to do and I would rather find a niche that are my people than a bigger niche. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try to help other fellow recovering awkward people. I've developed frameworks and formulas that actually work. And even though it's a small niche, it's okay. I'll have a small business. And I remember having a discussion with my husband and saying, you know, if I can just get a hundred people, a hundred other recovering awkward people, I'll be happy. That will be, you know, enough of a business to bring in some extra income and that will be okay. Little did I know that when you tell people who are also awkward, you are a recovering awkward person. It's like the floodgates open.
0: (laughs) Right. I was thinking that. It's
1: it's like people are finally able to take a breath of relief and say, oh my gosh, me too. And you find your people and you have these amazing discussions. And so I remember very specifically, we did this huge rebrand. I came out with it and our website was pretty, our traffic was pretty steady at that point point. And I remember it jumping to 50,000 people a month, and then 250,000 people a month, and then a million a month. And slowly, our YouTube channel got more and more popular. And we just hit 30 million views on YouTube.
0: Congratulations. That's exciting.
1: That is only because I'm not an extrovert. That was a very long answer to your question. <laughs> it
0: really was. But I think it's, it's so important because I think, I, I hope that no one disappeared the second they started listening to this episode saying, oh, I'm not an extrovert. This isn't going to be for me. This is for people who like people and want to smile more. You know, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is for anybody. It, you know, a, re- a recovering awkward person is a great way to say it. That probably describes my childhood pretty well as homeschooled. So, you know, I kind of had that... Uh, oh. That, that social thing going on as well.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So everyone here's, here's a secret. A lot of people send me their secrets and this is one of the, my favorite parts of my job is people send me, I never, when I open my inbox in the morning, I just never know what's going to come in. And I very often get people's secret confessions. The funny thing about this is most people think that their secret, no one else shares it. It's really humiliating and they're really unique. When actually, I could probably categorize all of them into three basic buckets. And the biggest one are these social confessions. And almost always they start with something like this Hey, Vanessa, I loved Captivate and I wanted to reach out to you to share my story. I am a and it's something that they feel like damns them for social hell for life. Right. It's like, I was homeschooled. Um, I have a lisp. I, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever they think is going to be their, you know, the, the thing they have to carry for the rest of their life. And they've been fighting against it their entire life. And I realized that everyone who feels like they're awkward, um, feels like they're hiding some piece of themselves, some piece of their history, some weakness that they think that they have. And so my number one goal in my life, in my work, is to one, help awkward people feel confident and charismatic without actually having to change their awkwardness. That I think you can still be awkward and be charismatic and find your people. And that two, that thing that you think is so bad or so Um, detrimental to your success actually might be something that you could use for more success.
0: Right. That's, that's so cool. I I love that you have that vision behind this and that mission behind what you're doing and, and captivate the science of succeeding with people as it's called. It's organized into three parts. You have the first five minutes, the first five hours and the first five days. I want to dive into the first five minutes a little bit more with you, which by the way, I have to mention it's 108 pages is that first section, the first five minutes and 108 pages, because I was thinking, you know what, in like, first five minutes, I should be able to read this in about five minutes, right? <laughs> um, it was a lot of research, you did a lot of data as well. So I'm really appreciative of that, because I'm, I'm a data person. And when I was able to see some of those analytics and things you had, that was really helpful for me. So I want to make this really valuable for the audience today and kind of jump into some of the high level points. I would love to start with the whole idea of working a room, we're going to jump right into it here. So can you explain to us how we can work a room?
1: Sure. So um, I did a really fun experiment where we looked at patterns of movement in a room. Because what I realized is I would get paralyzed at the beginning of a party or an event on physically where to put myself in the room. And so what would happen was I would get there and I would kind of be like wide eyed. And I'd like try to quickly survey the room and be like, where should I go? What should I stand? Do I know anyone? What should I do? Uh. And then eventually I end up checking my phone and pretending to text someone which does not earn you any friends. No,
0: it does not. Right.
1: And this thing was happening over and over again where I just wasn't making good connections at these events. And this didn't matter really what it was. It could be a trade show, meetup, conference, party, holiday party. I just was like meeting people, but not actually knowing people. Like I wasn't converting them to clients. I wasn't getting them to be connected on LinkedIn. I wasn't getting follow-up coffees. And I was like, okay, it's because for some reason, I'm not having very deep conversations. I'm having very, very surface conversations. And I quickly realized that the very first step to having deeper, more engaged conversations, this is just the first step, is where you place yourself. And as we did this in our networking experiment, I won't break down the nitty gritty of it, but basically we observed that the people who got the most business cards, the people who had the most connections on LinkedIn were the ones who used a strategic social zone in the party. The biggest mistake that you can make, and this is the mistake that I was accidentally making, is trying to make connections in what I call the start zone. So in the book, you'll see I break down every event, like a football field, into different um, zones. The start zone is uh, the first usually five to 10 feet of when someone enters a room. It's usually around uh, the uh, coat rack or the sign-up table or the registration table. This is a very high adrenaline place. When people are coming in there, they are in surveying mode, right? They're looking around, they're trying to figure out if they know someone. They also have a ton of things to do. When you get to an event, you have to register sometimes, you want to put down your coat, you want to go to the bathroom, you want to get a drink, you want to get food, you got to say hi to the host, you want to say hi to people you know, you want to walk the perimeter, there's a whole bunch of things that are secretly on our to-do list. And so if you stand anywhere near the start zone, what happens is you're pouncing on people before they're ready to go deep with you. And so you lose these connections, you meet them right when they're fresh, which was a rookie mistake. I used to think, oh, I want to meet people right when they come in and kind of welcome them. And (laughs) I get them fresh, you know, no, actually it was happening. You scare people. <laughs> yeah, you scare people. And, and you also, you cannot really dig in. Have you ever had that feeling when you're with someone and they're just not all with you? They're kind of overhead gazing, mm-hmm. they're kind of peeking at their phone, they're shifting from foot to foot. That is not you. That's not you. That's actually because they're still in that start zone. So completely avoid the start zone. The other rookie mistake is um, like trying to make friends as people are gathering their food. I know know a lot of people who tell you, oh, hang out at the food bar or hang out um, right outside the bathroom. So when people come out, you can get them. The problem is, is then you have a window of limited time for a conversation. As people are getting their food or cruising the food table, they then want to take their food, go back to their group or go sit down and eat it. If you're trying to make conversation there, the conversation is going to go like this. It's literally, we could see it scripted in our experiments. Hey, that looks pretty good. Yeah, I know. I'm so hungry. I know, right? (sighs) Crazy day. Yeah. So what brings you here? Oh, uh, I know the host, Alex. He's great. Yeah, I know. He's great. So how do you know him? School. Great. Well, uh, it was great talking to you. I'm going to go grab uh, some food. I'll talk to you later. That's how it goes. Great conversation. Right. And so it's someone trying to dig, 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 dig. And the other person's like, I just want to frickin' eat my food and take my food without being watched. So those are the areas we don't stand in. The social zone is the sweet spot in any event. And no matter what kind of room you're in, you always can find this zone. And by the way, I've been told by my readers, if you stand in this zone, you will actually meet other captivate readers. (laughs) Because
0: they're they're standing (laughs) in the
1: same place. I have been told multiple times that they've stood in this spot and been talking to someone and then my book comes up and they go, oh my God, you read it too. That's why we're standing here. Okay.
0: Next time I'm going to start my conversation with that and be like, hey, have you read Captivate? That's how I'm going to start. Not even say a name, just going to try it.
1: (laughs) I mean, I just love it. I just love it. Are you you standing here because of Vanessa Edwards? I love it. Well, research does show mentioning a mutual connection does help building rapport. So there you go. So the sweet spot is right as people exit the bar, not when people are in line for the bar, although you can, you can make conversation while you're in line. It's that moment. Someone just got their drink. (sighs) Finally, they had their drink and they turn to face the room and they go, whoa, (laughs) oh.
0: They realize there's a room full of people for the first time, right? Yes.
1: And in their mind, they're like, okay, I've checked in. I've gone to the bathroom. i got my drink. Now, who do I talk to? Who do I know? What do I do? You should be three to five feet from this spot. And then you can catch eyes of that person and say, hey, how's the red wine? That is like one of the easiest openers you can possibly do. Or just, hey, how are you? I'm Alex. You in that moment are a social savior. It's that one instant in an event where someone is not only open to meeting people, they're actually desperate for it. And so you just opening with the most casual opener of, Hey, how are you? I'm Vanessa. Or, Hey, how's that drink? That is the easiest way. And people are ready to talk. When they have their full glass of water, wine, tea, coffee, They are ready to talk. And after about 15, 10, 15 minutes, you can transition by saying, Hey, I'm going to grab another drink. It's been great talking. Or if it's really good, do you want to grab another drink? Right. Or it's been great talking. I'm going to go grab food or it's been great talking. Do you want to go grab food together? So it's like the perfect spot where you can have a really good 10, 15, 20 minute conversation and an out or not after a certain amount of time has passed.
0: As a thank you for listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, I'd like to invite you to join our private community for free. If you text the word community to one 299 i will respond with a free invitation link. Once you join, I'll connect you with other community members and resources to help accelerate your success. Join today by texting the word community to one 8992. I'm looking forward to talking to you within the creating a brand community. And now let's get back to today's episode. I have to say this, this is brilliant. When I first read this, I was like blown away. I was like, I had never thought about this because I'm the guy who, you know, I've, I've, grown socially quite a bit over the years and I'm able to talk to anybody any any place in a, in a venue and I always wondered like why are some of them always looking over my head mm-hmm. it wasn't until I read your book that I realized I was like oh my gosh I'm standing in the wrong place mm-hmm. so th- this was just a game changer for me I feel like we could end the episode right here but I have more questions because now comes the scarier part now <laughs> you're staying in that right spot how do you start talking to someone how do you make that great first impression
1: yeah, and so this is actually a good um, strategy that I want you to keep in mind for virtual networking, too. And this time, I think we're doing more and more of that. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're in an event, great, or you are on a Skype call or you're on LinkedIn or you're in a virtual mastermind or you're virtual networking. What you want to do is disengage what I call social scripts. So the other thing that we found in our networking experiments is um, – the conversation starters that we are most comfortable with produce the worst conversations. So, the conversation starters that everyone uses that are socially approved are what do you do? Where are you from? Those are the two that are like typically in most networking conversations, I can script it for you. It's hey, how are you? Great. My name is Vanessa. My name is Alex. Wonderful. So, what do you do? What do you do? So, where are you from? Maybe have you been doing that for a long time? Like, that's it. Like those are the questions. And yeah. then you're like, you know, kicking your feet and you're like, well, what do we do next? The problem is, is I understand that th- that's, in- that's good information, right? You have to know what someone does, but here's the problem. We have answered that question so many times that our brain is basically brain dead when we're asked that question and it keeps us on a social script. So I'll say, Oh, I'm Vanessa. I <laughs> don't And they say, ah, same thing. And there is no chemical spark. So Dr. John Medina does research on um, how we experience pleasure. And he found that dopamine, which you might have heard of, is uh, very, very simplified. It's a very complicated little molecule. But dopamine simplified is the pleasure chemical. When I tell you that I have a reward for you or a gift, your brain sparks dopamine. When you're thinking about something exciting, your brain is producing dopamine. In a conversation, we also produce dopamine when we're asked something that's off social scripts. So if you were asked, what do you do? Where are you from? How long have you been doing that? How'd you get into that? Your brain is literally void of any dopamine at all. You're like, oh, it's one of these conversations.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
1: I want you to signal to the other's brain as quickly as possible and as comfortably as possible that this is not going to be a social script. And this is actually very easy to do. You want to subtly change the conversation starter to something a little bit more dopamine producing. So my favorite one, instead of what do you do, is working on anything exciting recently? Now, that's a very strategic conversation starter, and the reason for that is because, one, you are giving them the option to tell you if they want to talk about what they do. Some people who are in between jobs, they're not proud of what they do. They're working on a side hustle. They don't want to talk about what they do. In fact, that's the dead end of a conversation. Yeah. Other people love what they do. And so then instead of saying, what do you do? You can say, are you working on anything exciting recently? Which is, ooh, not just what do I do, but am I working on anything exciting about what I do? And that's the second reason why this strategically really works is... When someone in their brain searches for all the things they're excited about, it actually puts them in a more optimistic, positive frame of mind. The nice thing about this is you can ask this to people you don't know and people you already know. When I see my friends, I'll say, hey, working on anything exciting recently, update me on what's exciting. Instead of, how are you? How's it been going? How's work? So this question is like your back pocket Swiss army knife. I want you to use it with all of your conversations. You will see people will light up in different ways. People will share all different kinds of answers than what do you do or how's it been going.
0: Yeah, and there's so many different ways to do that. I love that question. Another one that, that I've often used is when I go to conferences, and I'm speaking at them or attending them, whatever it may be when I meet people instead of saying, Oh, we're brought to the conference, or have you taken anything away from it yet? I say if you were going to take away one thing from this conference so far, what would it be? And I'll open with that question. Sometimes people are like, Whoa, they're like, hold on a second. I haven't haven't been asked that one yet. It's just basically getting people to think a little bit differently or actually think at all because the automatic mind will just kick in. If you say, how are you? How's it going? That type of thing. So I love this point that you're hitting on. I think it's so important for us to make sure we're asking these great questions when we jump into these conversations.
1: Great. And also a little addition to that is if you ask someone at a conference, you know, what's one thing you would take away? I like to share a vulnerability. So I'll say, Hey, I I had to miss this morning's meeting because I had a conference call. Was there anything like really amazing that I missed?
0: Oh, wow. That's smart.
1: It's so good. It's so good. People, it's a vulnerability share. It's an openness share. I only do it when it's true, obviously. And then I also get like a little bit of an inter- a more interesting rundown because I get to see what they thought of it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I, you know, I didn't even think about doing that, but that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing that, that bonus for us. I love bonus. that. <laughs> So I want to backtrack a little bit here, because I think that a lot of us were having this, this conversation now. And some people aren't sure how much eye contact to make how much to smile, how much to laugh, what to do with their, their hands, their stance, all that type of thing. And you've done some fascinating research on this as well, because my assumption was always the smile was the first thing that somebody saw, or the eyes, but you found it something different. Can you explain a little bit how we need to position ourselves socially?
1: Yeah. So most people think of eye contact as just making eye contact. Or if you ask someone, where do you first look? Someone usually says the face, the mouth, or the eyes Those are the most common answers. Um, but actually what research has found is that we look at someone's hands especially in the first few seconds, but also all the way during a conversation. We like to have someone's hands just in our peripheral vision. And the reason for that is because it's a survival mechanism. When we see someone's hands, we can see their intention. We also use it as a modern day um, dictionary. And the reason for this is because we know that if someone really knows their content, they're going to be able to speak to us with their hands as well as their words. So if I say I have three things and I hold up the number three, our brain loves that. We're like, ah, three things. We're more likely to remember those three things if I hold up my fingers. And so this is really, really important for both in-person and virtual. One, Always lead hands first. And That sounds really silly, but when you walk into an event, when you walk into a boardroom, when you walk into a party, hands out of your pocket, hands out of your purse, try to lead with your hands open. When you're approaching someone, the best thing you can do is put your hand up to indicate, yes, I do want a handshake or a hug if you want both hands open. that's also It's a very, very clear way to signal safety, communication, and it's a subconscious cue of charisma. Second is virtually, if you are doing a lot of video chats and virtual calls, I'm spending a lot of time these days teaching people how to look better on video, feel better on video, how to present on video. The number one thing is the placement of your camera. You want to make sure that your camera or your webcam or your phone is in a position where it can see your upper torso your face, your head, and your hands, which means using your armrests on your chair, putting your hands on the desk in front of you, and pushing your camera farther back. Because when people can see your hands right when they log in, it makes them feel immediately more relaxed.
0: That's crazy. I, that's something I didn't know because I, I would have said the eyes, you know, somewhere on the face, the eyes mm-hmm. and the mouth, something like that is what people would see first. I really didn't think about establishing trust with, with the hands and also knowing what you're talking about as well. I think that's a really cool point. So I really wanted you to share that, that highlight there. So I want to move on to to chapter four here, how to be the most memorable person in the room. Actually, on page 79, you said the best conversations aren't about what you say, they're about what you hear. Can you explain this a little bit more?
1: Sure. So um, remember that um, deal, famous Dale Carnegie quote, be interested to be interesting. I always loved the idea of that, but I wasn't quite sure what to do with it when it came to actual conversations. Like, does that mean that I just should smile and nod a lot? Does that mean I should just (laughs) not talk and just listen? And I realized that the single most helpful cue that began to change my conversations was listening with purpose. My anxiety, my my social anxiety, my awkwardness comes when I go into an event or I go into a conversation without direction, without purpose. Like when you walk into a room and you don't know where to stand, it's more anxiety provoking. My secret reason for including that map in the book, for teaching you guys where to stand is actually to give you purpose. When you walk with purpose, you walk more confidently. When you know you have a place to stand in an event, it actually immediately gives you more confidence. So it's a secret confidence builder. It's the same with listening. So my entire goal, and I spent an entire chapter breaking this down into detail, is how do you listen with purpose? Specifically, you are listening for what I call a me too moment. And this me too moment is basically a moment where they share something or you share something and you both share it. And you're like, Ooh, yeah, me too. That is like the ultimate step in a human relationship. Every single time you say or feel Oh, I do that too, or I have that too, or I felt that too. That is an oxytocin builder. And so all you are listening for is something that you can capitalize on that's a shared tie. And I have a couple of visuals in the book of that every single time you have a shared thing, it ties you together. And the more ties you have, the closer you become, the deeper the connection, the easier it is to sell, the easier it is to build relationships. That's how you build extremely loyal customers and extremely loyal friendships.
0: For for me, that's something that's that I. It took me a while to learn. I was always the the opposite type of guy. I'm I'm a little bit different than the normal person. So I go to these conferences and have nothing in common with somebody that I'm talking to. Mm. And you know, I wouldn't be yeah. able to connect on, on many ways because I'd just be like, uh, you know, I, I'm I i do not really follow much TV. I'm not really a Netflix guy. So all these shows people talk about, I'm like, uh, ah, no, I don't really like that, or now nah, I'm not into that. And it never really went well as far as connecting was <laughs> yeah. concerned. And, you know, I've always, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Like you, you want to be real at the same time. Like I don't want to start just saying, oh, me too, when it's, it's not the truth. I right. want to be able to try to search for that common ground. How have you been able to navigate that?
1: Right. So you, a hundred percent, you do not want to be a brown noser. You never want to be inauthentic because we can smell inauthenticity. We, we can smell it. So what you want to do is be an exceptional pivoter. And by the way, if we have entrepreneurs listening as entrepreneurs. We, we have pivoting in our blood, right? Like right. I, I've pivoted my brand more times than I can count. It's the same thing in conversation. <laughs> Everyone
0: feels better after hearing you say that, by the way, we've all done it. <laughs> Amen.
1: Amen. Like I thank goodness for pivoting. Same thing in conversations. Okay. So let's say in your exact example, Um, Someone says, oh, yeah, like I'm just just watching a ton of Netflix right now. Like I love Orange is the New Black, and I'm watching all these really great shows. What are you watching right now? So do you have a show you're watching right now or no? I just
0: watch The Office on repeat, if I'm going to be honest with you.
1: Okay. So (laughs) what you're going to say is... What is the commonality there that you do have a show that you're obsessed with? Maybe it's not on Netflix streaming, but what you can say is, oh, I know I've been watching so much, so much stuff, but you know what? I have one show that I am just obsessed with. I will watch it over and over again. It is The Office. So it's like a slight pivot from one small kernel of a commonality.
0: Right, but it does open the door to to more possibilities because that gives them the option to say, oh, me too, right? Yes. If they're saying it, it's still forming that same connection. Is that right?
1: Yes, and if there is no kernel, if there is just nothing similar, like they're like, I eat apples every day and you're like, I'm allergic to apples, okay? <laughs> If that is the case, your last choice is to ask as many curious questions as you can until you can find a commonality. So that goes like this. Oh my gosh, I just love apples. I love apples so much. I'm just obsessed with apples. And you, Alex, are allergic to apples. You would say, do you remember how you first got interested in apples? Oh, interesting. Do you make a lot of apple recipes? Oh, you do? You know what? I love cooking too. I cook all the time. Done. You're on a commonality.
0: Right. Right. That's great. I love that. I think that's so important to do. That's something that took me a long time to be able to learn. But as I've gotten better and better at that, which I'm still a work in progress, I've been able to make far better connections because I can also remember somebody by that I can be like, oh, I remember being Vanessa, her and I both really like this apples. And you can do that. and You can remember that like, hey, we both are really into the same type of thing. So it's it's great for bringing that back up. And I believe that many people remember it as well. So love that point, Vanessa. So before we end here, I don't want to pretend to even know half of what you know about the science behind people. You've done so much research on it. I want to just make sure that I give you the chance to share one last piece of wisdom or advice with us before we end the episode.
1: Sure. I would say for everyone who's listening to remember that, um, that thing that you're hiding or that you think is detrimental. Um, that was actually the key to me finding my people and to building my business. And so I would say, whatever that is, try sharing it with just one person this week, one person you trust, one person you care about or a complete stranger. Cause sometimes that's a little bit easier and see what happens.
0: Love it. Vanessa, thank you so much for sharing with us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I like that what Vanessa shared with us today can be immediately implemented and will result in becoming a more captivating person and also will start winning with people more. I don't know about you, but I am ready to try some of this out at my next networking event. Now creating a brand, I'd love to learn from you. Can you share your biggest networking hack that has helped you succeed with people? If you will, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 061 If you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll be able to leave a comment. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you there. Vanessa, thank you again for being a guest and sharing with us these scientifically proven ways to win with people. To learn more about Vanessa Van Edwards and to pick up a copy of Captivate, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 061. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bring you another Masterclass episode next week.